Hey, glad you can make it. And welcome to the Employee Cycle Podcast, where we talk to HR innovators, thought leaders, and even some disruptors about the latest in HR trends, HR tech, and you guessed it, HR data. Well, you've heard enough of me talking. Now let's start the show, 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 show. Hey, hey, and welcome back to the Employee Cycle Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Marable, CEO of Employee Cycle. And let me ask all of you HR and people leaders a question out there. Are you tired of the manual, tedious, and time-consuming process you call HR reporting? I'm sure you are. We know that when it comes time for you to understand a data-driven view of your workforce, you typically are logging into your HRIS, ATS, engagement system, performance system, maybe even three or four more systems than that, pulling out messy spreadsheets, trying to turn all of that into one type of spreadsheet, dashboard, PowerPoint, hodgepodge of something that's going to give you some insight into your workforce, and you're always thinking there has to be a better way. Well, look no further because Employee Cycle is here for the rescue. That's why we created a all-in-one people dashboard that has pre-built connectors to all of the most popular HR systems you're using. That's right. We can automatically connect to systems like Bamboo HR, Zenefits, Paylocity, ADP, Trinet, Greenhouse, 15.5, Lattice, Lever. You name it. Simply connect all your systems to our people dashboard so we can automatically pull in all your data and you can view, track, share, and analyze all your people data and metrics in one place. Please visit EmployeeCycle.com so you can check us out, get a demo. We would love to explore how we can partner to help you automate your HR reporting and analytics process. But that's enough about me and our company because today we have an awesome guest. So please help me welcome to the show, Lauren McDonald. She's the HR director at Lone Logics, and today we're going to discuss how to choose, prepare, and develop managers. Lauren, welcome to the podcast. Woo! Lauren, welcome! Thank you so much, Bruce. I'm glad to be here. Awesome. And this is Lauren's very first podcast, so I am honored <laughs> to help her have her debut into the podcast sphere. It is. It is. I'm a huge fan of podcasts, but this is the first one I'm on and not just listening to. Awesome. Happy to have you here. So, Lauren, we're going to kick this thing off the best way we know how, and that's by asking you, how did you end up in the wonderful world of HR? Uh, so I, I kind of fell into HR. I think a lot of people do, um, but... I wanted to go to law school. Um, that's actually still a goal of mine. Um, but I worked at a, um, an international um, shipping company and um, a very entry level. I was going to college. I was 18 and uh, I was, I found myself really drawn to the organizational development team, as they called it, which encompassed human resources and learning and development. And um, it was an incredible group of um, female leaders um, that really focused on getting the best out of everyone. And I applied for um, a job as a training specialist, and I was incredibly shocked that I, I got the position. And um, from there, I moved into a generalist role and then moved up from there. Um, and when I moved into the, I love the training role, and that's, you know, my heart um, will always belong to learning and development. 
but I found that I really loved what I was doing, um, helping people, walking through things that are difficult benefits claims and, you know, different things that people go through in their lives with um, FMLA and, and just kind of taking care of them and walking through that and, and being good at it. The, the entry-level job I had taken, I wasn't super good at. So it was nice to have found something that I was naturally good at. And um, I really fell in love with HR and um, I've been doing it ever since. Awesome. And I'm sure the HR community is happy to have you in it. So Lauren, today we're discussing how to choose, prepare, and develop managers. But before we actually go into this journey of becoming a manager and making sure that they're great, I want to ask you, what is a manager? What's the essence? What's the core foundation of being a manager? What is that all about? You know, I, I've, there's a lot of uh, talk about managers versus leaders and, and that sort of thing. But I think really um, managers take the leadership out of it are people who are responsible for um, executing the results of a group of people. And you can do that in a lot of ways. Um, you don't have to do it well. Um, and that's why it's a topic that um, I find really interesting is that, you know, we promote people because they're good at their jobs. Um, and then they get into a place where they are struggling as managers. And as an organization, um, we failed to support them. So kind of went off what you initially asked me. But yeah, I just I think that a manager is, is basically um, responsible for executing a function for a team and they're accountable for those results. I'm actually glad you provided more context because you actually helped me smoothly transition into the first area that I want to talk about, which is how did you choose a manager? As you just mentioned, a lot of the times companies will see or they will look to see who is the best at their job based off of whatever merits or metrics you're using to determine best. And based off of that, they'll say, okay, Lauren, you're the best developer here. You should be a manager. Mm -hmm. Without thinking, are you a great manager or should you just continue to be an awesome individual contributor? And so my first question here is, how do you choose who should be the manager? Is this is this looking at the people who are raising their hand? Are you plucking the people who seem to have the most management potential out of the people in the department? What are your thoughts around how you should choose who should be management? That's a really good question um, for, and it, you know, I think it's something that we all deal with in, in working in organizations. You know, uh, there are teams where people may have um, seniority. And so maybe there's a, a factor of feeling entitled to be the next person um, to move up into that role because it's typically been based on seniority previously, or that's the perception. You know, I, I, there are a lot of different factors that go into, you know, the, the cultures that lead to the, the good or bad decision-making and selection of managers what I would say is, you know, if you don't already have a leadership development program and you don't have um, anything established, it's really important to first look internally, right? I think that that is 
an important factor um, to make sure that you're not discluding individuals who may be solid candidates for the role. And, and I don't necessarily believe in tapping people to apply. Um, if somebody wants it, I think, you know, an internal, a, internal job posting, getting the information out there so that they know that this role is available and, and then letting it happen um, organically if people want to apply. Um, and I think making that your first uh, source of, of identifying a candidate pool. I do think that, you know, sometimes we end up in the position where um, those internal candidates maybe don't have the skill set. And so we have to look, look externally. But I think at that point, it's our responsibility as an organization, if we see someone who is reaching out and wanting to grow, to give them the feedback and the opportunity to close the gaps that we felt that were there um, and to provide feedback and ultimately provide training if, if it's uh, within reason um, to help them grow so that if there's a, another opportunity that they can move into that in the future if they, if they work for it. Got it. So I had a question about one of your comments. You said that you don't typically believe in or support the notion that you should pluck or pick or tap anyone from a team to actually be management, but a much more or a much better process would be to let it happen organically and let people self-select. So if that's the case, what do you believe are some of the most important characteristics that any individual employee should be looking at to be able to really self-select to see if they have what it takes and or want to be that type of person to become a manager? So all of that, that's also a good question. I think it's going to depend based on the, the leadership and, and what they value. Um, but taking a step back and looking at what do all managers need? One, one key area, I think, is um, emotional intelligence. So having that ability to understand not just yourself, be self-aware, but also be able to understand your um, audience um, and regulate your um, responses based on your audience um, and how they're interacting with you. I know that's kind of a very simplified version, but with leaders, you have to be able to work with all kinds of people. And I think at a very basic level, oftentimes managers fail because either they're not self-aware or um, even if they are uh, aware, they're not able to regulate themselves based on the situation. And so I think that that's a, a very key area. And it might be hard to detect um, but it's definitely something that you can use data to uh, to find out um, and to um, kind of identify the the qualities um, even deeper that you're looking for within that area. You know, we're a huge fan of data over here at Employee Cycle. So anytime I hear that word, I have to go in a little deeper. What kind of data do you think you should be looking at to try to determine who would or would not be a good manager? 
You know, what's funny, I, um, when I, I, I just feel like I had such a strong foundation, um, working for that, um, international shipping company, we used all kinds of data and metrics to identify leaders, especially when we were promoting from within. Um, we, we really, not that we never hired from the outside. We really focused on trying to promote from within on the majority. So uh, a few key areas that we focused on were, uh, we, we used what was called, is still called a Simmons assessment. And, um, that is a, a lesser used assessment, um, that is based on uh, a book called, or a study that is captured in the book called, um, measuring emotional intelligence. And the, the assessment's name, Simmons, is uh, the name of the author. And it measures key factors. And there's a, you know, a, a training that you have to take in order to be able to interpret the assessment. But essentially, there are profiles that have been identified where you can uh, see um, characteristics after the assessment results come out of profiles where uh, you can tell if someone has a leadership profile or if they are more administrative or if they are going to be great at sales. So these um, different profiles have been established over decades. Um, and um, it's just really interesting to be able to see the traits uh, on paper and then see them in a person. Uh, in addition to that, um, we would use Performance review scores, you know, that's kind of a typical um, measurement. Um, we would also use a, uh, it's probably something that everyone in HR has heard of, but maybe not have used um, a nine block. Um, so um, based on a series of leadership scores um, that are assessed both by the um, individual and their manager to identify um, where they fall on that nine block. And I feel like there were a few more, but essentially what we were able to develop was a, a scorecard. And you mentioned scorecards and that's what your organization, your, your dashboards, um, your organization does. But, but we were able to very easily um, look at this scorecard and see who are our um, highest performers, who were the people who were developing their people, um, who were the people who were um, ready for that next role. Um, and so we used all of that data. And sometimes, you know, it's, it's black and white, and you really have to apply your, your gut on top of that. Um, but having all of those inputs really helped us make better decisions. Uh, one, one other metric was, if the uh, individual had, um, if they were already a manager, so this is kind of um, outside of what we're talking about in selecting, if they were making the right hire, so if they were selecting the right talent, and um, if if they were able to retain the people that they were hiring. So turnover was a really key factor as well. Um, but that's in a situation where they're already managers. Got it. Thank you for that. That was really comprehensive. And I'm sure that there were a lot of notes being taken as you were going through that, because I really haven't seen or heard too many companies that are using data in that way to choose managers other than who's the best at their job. So that was really helpful. Oh, good. So, 
So now that we've helped these employees figure out who should be self-selecting to become a manager and from the employer side, you're doing this data-driven slash qualitative analysis to figure out who should be managers. And then that you've chosen who are the, the cream of the crop or the people that you believe should be managing the talent of the future. How are you preparing them? What does this look like? And then at the beginning of the interview, you loosely touched on some type of training, but what should this look like? How long does it take? What kind of skills should you be learning to be prepared to become a manager? Sure. Um, so the that uh, Simmons assessment is a really key role, uh, plays a really key role in my my own process for identifying talent. So I use it for recruiting. I use it for coaching. I use it for, you know, identifying if someone's going to be successful in their next role. Um, so I always like to be very transparent with um, individuals about their assessment and talk about um, what their profiles look like, if they want to grow into a leadership role, the areas in which um, they need to stretch themselves. So there are, uh, I'm trying to think of a um, an area in which someone, you know, needs to grow. So one of the areas is, uh, let's say, courage. And that area isn't necessarily, you know, I'm going to do a, a tightrope tight walk from one building to another. It's really about being able to speak in front of um, uh, other individuals that um, uh, that are uh, of a higher level than you, um, be able to um, express yourself um, in a way that is going to make an impact in a conversation, um, and really just being able to use and have uh, executive functioning when it really matters. Because, um, you know, if you're focused on who's at the table and um, thinking about, you know, what you say and how you say it, um, you're, and there's going to be nerves in anyone who's moving up, but, but having, if you have a lower courage score, you're really going to want to get that person involved in, um, you know, something like Toastmasters or, um, have them partner with a coach to talk through some of the things that might be holding them back in that area. So the approach in that is very customized, um, where it's focused on those individual attributes that need to be stretched. But I, there are a couple of other manager trainings that I believe that anyone who's going to become a manager uh, utilize. So one is um, situational leadership. Uh, I think it's situational leadership two. There is no situational leadership one. Um, it was. I think there were different iterations of the first type of training. And so to clear up confusion, they added a two to it. But that makes more confusion um, because people are like, I don't remember taking the one yet. Can I take the two before the one? Um, so that uh, training is... So impactful for individuals who may be a little bit less intuitive with people um, because it's very prescriptive as to how to help and support your employee based on their development or their confidence and competence in an individual goal, task, or skill. So even if you are not someone who is really 
you know, able to pick up on people's, you know, body language or, um, uh, you know, internal kind of nonverbals, let's say, um, you can know in a very black and white way, oh, I've never assigned this type of project to this person. I'm going to need to approach them in this sort of way, or I need to provide this amount of support and this amount of direction in order for them to be successful in this particular area. So it really makes something that isn't very black and white um, into uh, a, a very um, clear picture of how to support your employees um, as they develop through the, and I'm doing air quotes, but you can't see, development continuum. So I, I think that's a really um, key training for any manager. Got it. And then the last part I want to talk about is developing existing managers. And you you touched on this a little bit too in regards to how to look at the quality of people that they're hiring and managing. But what does it look like to continue to develop managers so that as you've, you've chosen who you believe should be managers, you've prepared them, now they're managers, maybe six months, a year. How do you make sure that they are still good managers and working to develop them to become great managers? Sure. I, I go back to the, the assessment um, and, you know, it it's only valid for, you know, a certain period of time. So depending if they're um, a new manager or um, someone who's been with the organization running that again and, uh, and looking at if there are any uh, gaps. And then really, I think once someone is a manager, having that candid conversation about, Here's where I see that there are opportunities to grow and then putting it out to them as to what they think um, they're struggling with and, and trying to work through that. Because I think if you have already selected a good leader, they're going to be self-aware and they're going to say, you know, I really think I need work in soft skills or I really need work in being able to have tough conversations. Now, on the other side, uh, you might have someone who um, came in and looked really good as a manager, or you believed you were promoting someone who was going to be a good manager, and they just aren't, they're struggling. And so I think it's the same approach um, in, in having a candid conversation, but also being the the person on the side of the table that sometimes has to have tough conversations, um, sharing your observations, giving feedback, and providing support and, and training that maybe they're not aware they need, but identifying and helping them understand why there's a gap and um, helping them close that gap. So I think, you know, there's a lot of materials out there about leadership and management, but I think it's really an individualized experience or approach that I, I, I have tried to focus on um, in my career. Lauren, thank you so much for really taking the time to discuss such an important topic that is such an evergreen topic that will never go away and will always be top of mind for everyone. As we discussed before we started the interview, it's very cliche, but it is a thousand percent true that people don't quit jobs, they quit managers. 
And so I'm sure this is going to be an episode that people are going to listen to multiple times to pick up on all the wisdom that you dropped here on this episode. So thank you so much for being an awesome Employee Cycle Podcast guest. Go Lauren! You invest in your managers, people. (laughs) There we go. You heard it first. Invest in your managers. So Lauren, where can people find you and Loan Logics online? Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm sure I have an address, <laughs> but I'm just Lauren McDonald. And um, uh, Loan Logics is uh, www.loanlogics.com. I'm not even sure you need to use the www anymore. Um, <laughs> that's where that's where you'll find us. Awesome. We'll be sure to include all that contact info in the show notes. So if you enjoyed this episode as much as Lauren and I did making it, please leave us a five-star rating on iTunes because it shows that you care and that we're creating great content. Also, if this is your very first time listening to our podcast and you either came here because you thought the topic was super compelling or you're already a huge super fan of Lauren and you just had to hear what she was going to say, but now you're hungry for more interviews, please subscribe to the Employee Cycle Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other major podcast players. And last but not least, all of you super awesome HR and people leaders out there, please continue to hire, train, and retain the best workforce possible. Oh, and make sure you do that for your managers as well. All right? Thanks. Later, kids.